One of my kids was saying to me this last week, man. So thankful. To be born into a Christian family. And uh, the uh, just recognition of uh, Shoemaker's adoption just reminds us those of us who are in God's family had nothing to do with our birth, did we? Thank God for His grace. I'm sorry to be such a crybaby about it. Okay, read with me. About this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need of someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Children may go to Children's Church and whoever's working with them. Joel forgot to send you, but that's because he was thinking about the absurd reality that God the Father has adopted us in Christ. Um, when, we, when we consider the Gospel, we often forget other things. But I don't want to subject those poor children to my preaching, so we better, we better dismiss them. I don't believe in cruelty to small children. So, Speaking of small children, Kyle Gerber, where are you at? Is Kyle in here? There you are. Kyle's little son, Bennett, is how many months old? Five and a half months old. I was going to guess between three and eight months. So I was right in there. I was, I was right in there. Bennett is awesome. Bennett uh, Gerber comes to visit me about once a week in the church office. He's five and a half months old. Um, his mom comes in to do some work. Uh, his dad, Kyle, comes in to do some work. So they bring Bennett in. Bennett is awesome. He, he, he has this blanket and he lies on the floor on his tummy, and when I come in, I say, hey, Bennett, and he looks at me, and his arms and his legs just start flapping, and he smiles, Um, probably he smiles for everyone like this, but I think, though, when I look at him, I think he has, I think he has an appropriate admiration for me, I like, specifically, I think he gets it, you know, not everybody gets it, I think he gets, I think, yeah, he's like, yeah, this guy's pretty, this is a pretty good dude, Uh, yep. And so, so I love Bennett. Bennett's awesome. Bennett is also a baby. Bennett's a baby. So he does stuff that's cute only because he's a baby. So if Kyle, if I came into the office on a Monday morning and Kyle was on a blanket and on his tummy, and I said, hey, Kyle, and he smiled at me and just started flapping his arms and his legs. It would not be cute. It would be concerning, right? It would be, it would be troubling because Kyle's not a baby. 
the, the author of Hebrews is just having this point blank I mean, he is going, because he knows this little church that he's preaching to, he knows that they're going, that they have outside pressure. They have, they have, I mean, they're going through it. There is pressure from the outside for them to, to, to turn away from Jesus. There's pressure for them to, to fold it, to fold it in, to give up, to go home, and, and, and to go back to their former life. It's, there's, there's pressure on this little church, this little Christian church, these, these, uh, these Jewish believers. There's pressure on them. But he's saying to them, I know you're going through it, but, but some of you are acting like overgrown babies. By, by now, you should be mature Christians. The way you're acting, it doesn't, it doesn't look good on an adult. It, it doesn't look, it's, it's concerning. It's concerning. So the author of Hebrews is not going to pull any punches. And so we're, in our sermon, we're just going to take it the way he gives it to us, right? He's going to give it to us straight. We're just going to take it, all right? We're going to take it this morning. We're going to, we're going to take our medicine, and, and we're just going to see what the Word of God has to say for us. So really what we want to do in the sermon is, is have two different questions. One is, the first one is, what's wrong with being an overgrown baby? And then number two, how can we grow up? What's wrong with being an overgrown baby? And how can we grow up? So let's dig into that first question. What's wrong with being an overgrown baby? Three answers from these verses. The first answer, overgrown babies miss out on the glories of Christ. Verse 11. And so, um, verse 10, the, the last week's final verse, the author of Hebrews um, drops this strong hint about Melchizedek. And, and he dropped another strong hint in that passage in verses 5, or, or yeah, like verse 5, 6, something like that. He drops this other strong hint about Melchizedek. The author of Hebrews, he wants to go into the deep end of the pool. He wants to, he wants to get into the good stuff. He wants to get into the glories of Christ. He, he wants the people to see that Melchizedek was this, was this really amazing figure, this king-priest figure who's pointing to the glorious Kingdom, kingship, and priesthood of Jesus in this remarkable way. So the, the, the author, he was, wants to get into it. And he's going to, in chapter 7, he wants to get into it. He's like, I want to I show you the glories of Christ. But he says, but first, we've got to push the pause button. You guys aren't ready. You're not, you're not ready. He says in verse 11, we, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. My dad is 80 years old, and, and every once in a while he is dull of hearing, but that's because he routinely loses his hearing aids. Um, and I think, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but I think he doesn't lose them accidentally. I think he purposefully misplaces them. Um, I remember, um, yeah, I, I remember there's been, there's been times when I've, when later on I said, Dad, what did you think about that? And he goes, I don't know, I took my hearing aids out. I'm like, Dad, you can't, can't do that. You can't, like, <laughs> uh, and so I, I know that the reason that he, he got new hearing aids this past week, and I know the reason he did is because he doesn't, he, he, it's not because he wants to hear other people. He's, he's 80, he's heard enough. Um, but he, he doesn't want to make them angry with him, so they get frustrated and impatient with him when he can't hear them. So 
he puts hearing aids in. But that's not the kind of dull of hearing we're talking about here. Dull of hearing, that's the same word that the author is going to use in chapter 6, verse 12, for sluggish. It means lazy. So this is not an intellectual problem. So sometimes I get into conversations with some of you people, and you're talking about things, like, like things with your work, or things with like just stuff you know. And you're using words, and you're talking about stuff. And I, I, I kind of know what you mean, but I don't really know what you mean. I'm kind of following you, but you know a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff. And I'm like, I don't know much about that. So it's kind of a, it's a vocabulary problem. It's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a knowledge problem. I just haven't learned enough about that topic. That's not what the author is talking about here. This is not a hearing aid problem, and it's not a vocabulary problem. It's a character problem. It's not that, his, it's not that the words he's using are, are beyond them. It's that they don't care. They're not trying. They're immature. They're lazy. They're apathetic. And because of that, they're not ready to enjoy and be amazed by the glories of Christ. It is, it is very much a self-fulfilling prophecy. If, if you're not grabbing a hold of the word of God with excitement and wonder and curiosity, then you're never going to enjoy the glories of Christ. If you look at it with apathy, you'll never see the good stuff. It's a vicious cycle. If you and I are bored with Jesus, it could be... It could be because we're approaching the Bible like overgrown babies. We're, 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 we're apathetic. We're, we're lazy. We're sluggish. We're dull of hearing. And it's not because, it's not because we, don't, we don't understand the words. It's because we don't care. We're not trying. Overgrown babies miss out on the glories of Christ. That's the first answer to the question, what's wrong with being an overgrown baby? You miss out on the glories of Christ. Number two, overgrown babies are of no use to their local church. Verses 12 and 13 are just painful. He says, for, for, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. So he's not talking to someone who was just saved in the last couple of months or so. He's, he's not talking about that. He's talking about the person who's been a Christian for a while. They've been at church for a while. He says, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. And that word child there could be infant. It's just a, it's a baby. It's a, it's a toddler. It's a, so you don't, I mean, I don't, I don't feed babies chicken tenders. I don't, I, people usually don't put me in charge of feeding babies anyhow. Uh, they don't, yeah, I don't blame them. But if a baby is hungry, well, there's a baby crying. Like, why is the baby crying? Well, they're hungry. All right, here's a chicken, chicken nugget. This, 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 I mean, chicken tender, just, you just chew on that, you'll be good. It doesn't work. It is true that chicken tenders are awesome. It's true that babies are awesome, but it's not a good combination because babies can't eat them. They can't chew food. If I offered you a chicken tender, which I'm not going to, I'm going to eat my own chicken tenders, you get your own, but if I was going to offer you a chicken tender and you said, can you run that through the blender for me first? I'm like, yeah, that's, we've got, I mean, there's something, something is wrong. I don't know what it is, but something's wrong. This is what the author of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, by now, you guys should be teachers, but you need people to feed you like a baby. You still need milk. You can't teach anyone because you're an overgrown baby. 
We don't want a church full of overgrown babies. We want a church that's full of people who can teach. And this doesn't, this here, sometimes the Bible, New Testament, when it says teach, it means like official capacity, like, a, like an elder or a pastor. It's, it's talking about standing up in front of a group of people and proclaiming the word of God. That's not what this is talking about. This is, this is just someone who can come alongside of someone else in the church and, and just help them out. When they're, when they're struggling, they're just saying, I'm having a really hard time with, with this sort of area in my life. And you can say, well, here's what the, here's what the word of God has to say about that. Here's Here's the ways that I've, I've kind of tried to follow that in my own life. Here's what it looks like. You, you know, they, they give encouragement, they give comfort, they give wisdom from the Word of God. Here's a, here's a particular attribute of God that's comforting me when I'm going through that. Here's how Jesus' kind, kindness to the gospel in the gospel in me is, is helpful. Here's some ways to kind of think about what you're going through from the Word of God. Here's some priorities. That you, can, that you can kind of put onto your own life comes right from Scripture. Like, we need that from each other. We need that from each other. As we go through the stuff of life, we need just friends in our lives just kind of coming alongside of us and reminding us of the good truth of Scripture, building us up, stirring us up to good works. We can't do that if we're a bunch of overgrown babies. We're not, we're not even going to want to. We're not even going to want to. So that's the second answer to the question, what's wrong with an overgrown baby? Overgrown babies are, are of no use to the church. Third answer. Third answer. Overgrown babies don't use building blocks properly. Verse 14 through chapter 6, verse 2. It's almost like, it's almost like the author of Hebrews has... has has tried to help the toddlers who have come rolling through my household to, to build buildings. He says in ch- chapter 5, verse 14, he says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Chapter 6, he says, Therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, listen to this, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. He's saying, let's not keep building the same foundation. Let's not keep building the same foundation. Stop laying the foundation. The foundation has been laid. Stop, Stop tinkering with it. Stop messing with it. I don't know if you've ever tried to play Duplos or building blocks with a toddler. If you want to feel like your life has meaning, do not play building blocks with towers. Because the tower, because they, 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 the toddler says, "Oh, build a build a tower." Okay, let's knock it down. Oh, okay. Let's let's, let's build something else. Okay, cool. Let's knock it down. They just they just knock stuff down. They don't really want to build anything of any kind of lasting permanent value. They want to build something big enough to destroy it and rebuild it. They're the worst. So if you want to feel like you've done something with your day, don't, don't build with toddlers because they're going to destroy it. The author of Hebrews is saying that's kind of how you people are. You keep, you keep tearing down and rebuilding the same foundation. The foundation is good. It's good. Stop obsessing over these elementary doctrines, these very beginning doctrines. He says don't lay, a, don't lay again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Those are really good doctrines. But we, we get them. 
We understand them. We, we, we can't work our way to heaven. That's dead works. That's works righteousness. Turn your back on that. That's, that's good to turn away from that and to turn, turn to, to faith in God. Yes, that's wonderful. And then these, these next two are a little more foreign to us. Instruction about washings and the laying on of hands. Most scholars believe, and I, it makes a lot of sense, that this is, that this is something that's very particular um, to the Jewish believers. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way to distinguish from Old Testament Jewish religion and New Testament Christianity. It would have been very foundational to them. It would have been something that was drilled into their heads. And then the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment. These are very important doctrines. The, 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 the author of Hebrews isn't saying, move away from them. He's saying, that foundation's been built. Stop messing with it. Stop messing with it. Stop knocking it down and picking it back up. He's not saying leave the foundation. I mean, once you build a foundation, you don't go a mile away and build your house over there off of the foundation. But but after you've built the foundation, it's it's time to build on it. Um, The best way I can think of this, and there's probably better illustrations, but the best one I could think of this week is, is our ABCs. Uh, my, my daughter, Haddon, is learning her ABCs. And so it's a lot of fun. Um, I, think my, I think my wife does a brilliant job teaching our children to read as they're four, five, six years old. I would not, I could not, could not do it. Um, I'm just like, I, I can't do it. Anyhow, um, but she does great. She's patient. It's wonderful. And uh, then when they're done, I, they can just read me a book. And I, I, so I just enjoy the fruit of her labor. Um, so Haddon is great. I, I say, what, what words start with L? And she, you know, lists some words that start with L, and she gets some wrong, and she gets some that kind of end with L, and she gets mixed up. But she generally knows what words start with L, which is fun. It's impressive, because she's a little kid. My 10th grade daughter, Bethy, had to write an essay a few weeks ago um, on, like, it was, like, contrasting, like, virtue and vengeance so she had, she had read some books, and she had to read some Bible passages, and she had to write an essay about sort of contrasting virtue and vengeance. I was like, that's, that's a good assignment. But if her essay would have been, well, both those words start with V, and here's some other V words, you know, the vacuum, you know, like if that would not have been a good 10th grade essay. I would have been, I, it, would have, I, it would have been bad. I would have been embarrassed, and I, I don't know what would have happened. Anyhow... Because, because after a while, it's not, you know, you know your letters. That's good. You know what sounds they make. That's great. We need to do more with them. We're not moving away from our alphabet. We're not saying the ABCs are stupid and we don't need them anymore. No, they're, they're, they're vital. We, we don't have an essay without our ABCs. We don't have the Christian life without the gospel. We're not saying move away from the gospel. But we're saying it's time to build on it. It's time to build on it. It's, it's, it's time to, to work hard at, at learning the intricacies of it and then how it applies to our lives. It's, we're not moving away from the Word of God. We're, we're growing in our understanding of how to, how to apply the Word of God to our lives. We don't want to be a bunch of overgrown babies. We don't want that. So how do we grow up? How do we do it? We've seen what's wrong with it. How do we grow up? That's our second question. And there's two answers to that question in in these verses. How do we grow up? First answer, 
You're going to love it. First answer is constant practice. The hard work. <laughs> uh, this, I mean, most answers <laughs> involve, yeah, you've got to work really hard. That's what this is. I'm going to read these verses again. The last verse of 5 and the first verse of 6 again. It says, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That's how we leave the elementary of doctrine, of doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. This is how we build on this foundation. How do we do this? We, we have our powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. It's constant practice. So if we did one-on-one interviews this week, if, if all of you just kind of came into the church, into my office, and you got past the, 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 the overgrown baby on the floor, and you, you, you had to process that, but you got in my office and you closed the door to get away from him, and, and you're in there and we're talking, and, and I say to you, are you an overgrown baby? Are, are, are you, or, or are you spiritually mature? If I said, are you apathetic about the preaching and teaching of the word of God? Are, are, are you excited or are you kind of, eh? Are you apathetic about the glories of Christ? If, if I said, are you unable or unwilling to help one of your brothers or sisters in Christ live according to the word of God? Or, are, are, are you satisfied that you kind of know your ABCs and, you know, this, this, you, you know that's good enough? Or, or are you trying to figure out how to use the Word of God effectively? Build on that good foundation. Are you an overgrown baby? What answer would you give? What answer would I give? Well, hopefully, we would say, you know, I, I think I'm growing. I don't want to speak arrogantly, but I, I think I'm doing better than I, I definitely better do than I was like five years ago. I feel like I'm even better than I was like a year ago at this time. I, I do feel like I'm becoming more Christ-like. There are, there are areas in my life where I'm definitely growing. I, I, I think I'm becoming more mature. The, the thing is, even if we can say that, which hopefully all of us can, there is a danger here for every single one of us, and that danger is in verse 11. It says, He says, about this we have much to say. I really want to talk about Melchizedek. I want to talk about the high priesthood of Christ. I want to get into it. But it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. That word become is a scary word. That's a scary word. You have become dull of hearing. So it doesn't mean, oh, you were always dull of hearing. It doesn't mean that. It means you've become this way. It means there was a time in your life, you're doing all right. But now you've become dull of hearing. You've become apathetic. You've become lazy. Because I think probably all of us could say, even if, even if we can say, you know what, I think I'm better than I was a year ago. I, I think, and I, I think even my spouse would say, yeah, there's ways where you've, you've just grown. It's been good. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then we can also say that every once in a while the overgrown baby comes out. I act like a spoiled brat. I have, I have times where I'm supposed to be engaged in what the Word of God has to say, and I'm just checked out. And I have times where I'm supposed to be applying what the Word of God has to say, and I'd, I'm, rather, I'm just kind of doing my own thing. I'm kind of living selfishly. 
I'm kind of living immaturely. Every once in a while, the overgrown baby comes out. I don't want that. I don't want that to be a lifestyle. I don't want that to be a habit. I don't want that to be what I'm known by. I want to continue to grow. I, I, I hope what's being seen here is that if we've been saved for 80 years or we've been saved for 8 days, we all need to be continuing to grow, to mature. That's what I want. And here's how it's done. Constant practice. Hard work. Having our powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. I, I, I will just say this. I'm going I'm to make, really per- make it uncomfortably personal because I know you guys love this. So let's just say, hypothetically, but also incredibly real, um, that my wife has um, uh, just, just, some, just, some, just some chronic illness stuff. It's not a comparison thing. I know a lot of you have a lot of similar stuff. Uh, and, and, and so when I talk about chronic illness stuff with my wife, you can just kind of insert your own, like, thing that is, that is difficult in your life. Right? We've got, we've got stuff that just makes it difficult to do what Jesus wants us to do. We've got stuff that makes it difficult for us to live according to the word of God. And I'm not even talking about, like, the difficulty it is for my wife. I'm talking just for me, all right? So this is, maybe that's a little bit of overgrown baby coming out right now. But I want to, I want to love her the way Christ loved the church. Right? Money, pressures, health concerns or whatever it is you have, relational concerns from outside the home, whatever it is you're facing, it makes it harder to love your spouse well. Or, or to, to love your friends well. If you're single. Or to, to love your children well. It makes it difficult. So, and you're not nailing it in your own strength. You're not awesome in your own strength. I'm not either. We're not just naturally good at this. To, to think that, that I am called to love my wife the way Christ loved the church. If that doesn't floor me, then I didn't hear it. If that doesn't humble me and scare me, then I didn't hear it. And so, if I'm going to put into practice the the command. Because, because my, my temptation, when my wife is not feeling well, my temptation is to take that personally, to, to make it about me. My, my temptation is to, is to just assume that she's angry with me because she's frustrated with her own pain, with her own like, not a, like inability to do what she wants to do. And, I, and I, I, have a, I have this temptation. Maybe you don't have this, but I have a temptation to take things personally. Any kind of difficulty, I feel like, is just an attack against me. So it makes me defensive. It makes me edgy. It makes me irritable and impatient. So I'm called to love her with humility and with patience and with joy. Should be easy. Should be easy on, on two levels. Right? On one level, on the very first initial level, because she's worthy. She's created in the image of God. She's been faithful to me for 19 years, which is 
She's worthy. And then the second level, my Savior has been patient with me. He's been, he's been humble with me. And it's not just he's patient and humble with me when I'm not feeling well. He's patient and humble with me like in my actual own sin. My wife's not sinning against me. She's suffering. If I'm going to love my family well, if I'm going to love my neighbor well, if I'm going to love you guys well, if I'm going to pastor well, if I'm going to pastor faithfully, in the midst of all of my own inner turmoil, which we all have, and then in the midst of all of our outer stressors, which we all have, if we're going to do this with any degree of Christ-likeness, we need the Word of God. So if we are, if we are dedicated to putting into constant practice just the stuff that we know, we're not talking about learning new stuff, just the stuff we know, if we are dedicated to putting into constant practice what it means to, to love our wife the way Christ loved the church, to raise our children in the nurture and admission of the Lord, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to stir one another up to good works, to comfort one another and bear each other's burdens, to, to outdo each other in showing honor. If we're going to actually try to just do the things we know to do, how much gospel do we need pouring into us? How much do we need to just grow in our understanding of how glorious and gracious Christ is to us? Nothing will make you more hungry for the Word of God than trying to live it. So if you are apathetic about the Word of God, it means you're not trying to live according to it. Because if you are trying to live according to it, you are, going to, you are going to have a constant hunger for it. If you are going to try to live according to the gospel grace that you have been given, you are going to, you are going to have this constant hunger for it. If you are arrogantly assuming, and it may not even feel like arrogance to you right now, but if you are assuming that you pretty much know what you need to know, that you, have a, you, that you understand the glory of Christ, that you've got the gospel, if you, if you kind of, if you, kind of un, if you just say, you know what, I've, I've got that. I, 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 there's nothing here. I'm, I'm going to go to church because it's the right thing to do, but I'm not on the edge of my seat trying to learn more of who God is. I'm not, the, I'm not on the edge of my seat trying to, trying to get more of the grace and the glory and the wisdom and the sovereignty of God sunk into my hard head. If you're not on the edge of your seat looking for that, clamoring for that, it's because you're not trying to live according to it. Same goes for me. It's one thing to believe that God is the one who gives you every dime you've ever owned, that God has seated you in the heavenly places with Christ. It's one thing to believe that hell is a real place. It's one thing to believe that God is perfectly sovereign and perfectly wise. It's one thing to believe that we are saved by grace alone. It is one thing to believe that Jesus is right now interceding on our behalf. It's one thing to believe that marriage was established by God himself for his own glory. It's one thing to believe all these things. It's another thing to act as if we believe them. 
If you are apathetic, it's because you're not trying to put what you believe in practice. And I know this because it's true of me as well. If you're, if you're bored with the ABCs, it's because you're not trying to write an essay with them. If we are going to continue to grow, we're going to need constant practice taking what we learn and using it to distinguish good from evil. I do not want to be an evil pastor. I do not want to be an evil husband, an evil father, an evil friend. I want to be a good. I want to make good decisions. Do things that glorify God. We need constant practice. So let's listen intently when the Word of God is being explained. And let's listen for the purpose of living according to what we learn. So that's the first answer to the question, how do we grow up? Constant practice. Constant practice. Second answer, the grace of God. One of my favorite verses in Hebrews. And that's, I mean, one of my favorite hundreds so far. Chapter 6, verse 3. And we will, and this we will do if God permits... We don't have a chance if God doesn't give it to us. If you have grown in your Christian life, if you, if you continue to grow, it, it's because of the grace of God. It's because God has permitted it. We say it often. We need to say it again. The only reason you and I even care about becoming more Christ-like is because of the grace of God. It's because God has done a miracle in your heart. God has brought you from death unto life. God has started a good work in you. And God will get you home. This is the doctrine that gives me great courage because because yesterday I acted like a baby. I don't want to do that. And I believe that today I'm not going to. I believe that I believe that yesterday God said, "Hey, what was that? What was that? What was that?" Today I'm not going to I'm I'm not going to be a baby. I'm going to I'm going to patiently and humbly and and courageously Serve my family. Serve my church. Yeah, I sat on the blanket yesterday with the bottle and it wasn't pretty. But today is a new day. There's new mercy today. There's new mercy today. Today I'm not going to act like a baby. I'm not going to be apathetic about the glory and the worthiness of Christ. I'm not going to be someone unfit to teach others about the word. I'm going I'm to be mature. I'm going to continue to grow up. I'm going to put into practice what I've learned. And I, and I, and I believe this is going to happen because of the grace of God. He's the only reason I even care about this in the first place. And he's the only reason I can more and more honor him in these ways. So this is what gives me courage to believe the word of God and grab hold of it for myself. It's also the, the, what gives me courage to, to preach these sermons to you. You may have realized, I'm, these are, I'm not good. This is not good. I'm not good at this. I've been, I'm, I've been at it for years. I think this is basically as good as it's going to get. So if you're waiting for improvement, sorry, but it, like, that's... Don't, don't hold your breath. I don't think that you're going don't, to... I don't think that you guys are going to be um, Christ-like um, parents and spouses and friends and neighbors. I don't think that you are going to be able to do good, holy battle against the turmoil in your mind and the pressures from outside. I don't think you're going to be able to do this because you're awesome at it or because I'm so good at explaining things. Because my sermons are so stirring that you're just like, yeah, I'm going to go. No, our hope is not in that. My hope is not in my preaching ability, and it's not in your listening and obeying ability. My hope is in the grace of God. 
I'm confident that my, my preaching is worthwhile because of the grace of God. Because he is, he is taking his word and he is, by his spirit, changing us and growing us. He is getting us home. So by his grace, let's continue to put into practice what we are learning. Let's continue to grow up. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that's in it. Um, we, we, do, we, are, we are silly, God, and we, we start to think that we, we've kind of got enough and we're good and we don't need to, we don't need to dig any deeper. We just, we're, kinda, we're fine. We're fine. There's not, not a lot to learn. I pray, God, that you'd help us. Help us to, 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 to come um, when, we, when we come before your word in, in sermons or, or in Sunday school or in community group discussion or in our private devotions. When we come and engage your word, help us to come hungry because we are trying to put into constant practice what we're learning. So we are understanding our need to go deeper and deeper because life's not getting easier. Life's not getting any easier. It's not getting any simpler, any less complex. Help us to um, strive after putting what you have given us in your word, putting that into constant practice. Help our powers of discernment to be trained by your word, the word of righteousness, so that we can, we can put into practice what we are learning. Help us, God, with that. We are, we are confident as we pray for this because your son has bled out for our sins and has brought us into your presence so we can boldly, confidently ask you for help in our time of need. And we're always in a time of need. I pray that you would help us, God. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the grace that has, that has completely renovated our, our sinful hearts and that, that grace is going to get us home. So we pray that you would help us, God, to be people who magnify you with our lives and continue to grow up for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.